1: TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. It's
2: Minnesota Sports
0: Rewind. Tonight, Minnesota's fighting to keep the North Stars.
3: And it's looking more and more like our team will become the Stars of Texas. Rob Lear joins us
0: live from the Met Center with details. Rob? Angelo, when Norm Green stepped off a plane from Dallas today, he said it for himself. It'll take nothing short of a miracle to keep his pro hockey team right here in Minnesota.
3: The city's taken 26 years of tradition away. He comes in here and just takes up and leaves, takes the team with him. That's ridiculous. I mean, this is our, this is a way of life for us. Minnesota forever. Norm, you suck.
2: Yeah, it's part of my life. It's part of Minnesota. It's not like a something that you can just take away. It's not a regular business. I don't believe that. I hope we get the whalers or somebody.
0: <laughs> oh Wow. Wow, nostalgia. It was true.
3: It was true at the time. A blast
2: of
0: nostalgia. This is Minnesota Sports Rewind, where we do deep dives into prominent Minnesota sports events, games, trades, moments, teams moving to Dallas on that list. I'm Phil Mackey. That's Judd Zolgad. We got Declan Goff in the house here producing. And this episode is all about the North Stars moving to Dallas in 1993 and all the different tentacles off of it and Mike Madano is going to join the show at 11:30 here at the bottom of uh, of the hour. So, mm-hmm. let's let's set the scene. And then we'll dive in. We almost have too much show here. There's so many questions to get to, but just to set the scene, the North Stars were coming off 7 straight losing seasons, which is sort of like I don't think that's widely remembered because so many teams made the playoffs in the NHL and they took one of those losing teams and went all the way to game 6 of the Stanley Cup finals, but Uh, But they they were coming off seven straight losing seasons when they moved to Dallas. Norm Green himself, the owner who moved the franchise down south, actually wrote a first-hand account about this in Dallas Magazine in 2010. Have you guys seen this? I came across it, yes. I'm just going to start reading from this (laughs) to set the scene.
3: (laughs) Norm's history of how this happened. Yes, go ahead.
0: So, all right. So, usually we set the scene. We're yeah. going to let Norm Green, in his own words, set the scene for this episode. And you jump in and stop me as you see fit. All right. The North Stars had been in Minnesota since 1967, but ultimately lost the support of the community due to several years of poor performance. That's the first sentence. Yep. Agree or disagree? Um, it's deeper
3: than that.
0: Okay. Just keep going. <laughs> finally, finally, in 1989, the owners of the hockey club told the NHL they wanted to move to California. John Ziegler, president of the NHL, asked me, Norm Green, as the chairman of the NHL marketing committee, to buy the North Stars and make sure the team stayed in Minnesota as long as possible, which I did for three years. Mm-hmm. As one of the lead and original owners of the Calgary Flames, enjoying 10 years of financial success, including winning the Stanley Cup in 1989, I was convinced that my experience in marketing could rekindle the support of the Minnesota fans. But after renovating the old Met Center and producing a top team that almost won the Stanley Cup in 91, the fans still didn't buy the critical season tickets, and the attendance still fell under 60%. It was obvious we needed to move. <laughs> Yeah, that's how Norm felt. I can see Judd's yep. head about to explode. No, some I, no
3: actually, some of this is true.
0: Okay. We made a deal to move the North Stars to Anaheim, California, to become the L.A. Stars. Anaheim had a new building for hockey that was immediately available, and my plans were canceled when Disney offered to put a team in Anaheim and use Disney talent to help market the NHL. In December 1992, the league asked me to allow... That was the Mighty Ducks, obviously. Uh, in 92, the league asked me to allow Disney to come into the league. In return, I would have NHL approval to move the stars wherever I could make the best deal.
3: We'll get to this one. This is very important. And so in January
0: 1993, I selected Dallas after encouragement from the only Texan I know, Roger Staubach. Yes. Roger explained that Reunion Arena was originally built for hockey, had great sight lines. We were an instant success because we were told Dallas loves winners. And we uh, were bringing a top team that had been in the Stanley cup finals just two years previous and a top organization with top leadership from Bob Gainey to Mike Madonna, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The promotional material used to introduce hockey to the community worked wonders. The best were the ice of Texas is upon you. And the cold war begins September 21st. The excited sellout crowd at our opener confirmed our wildest hopes in our first year. The new fans were rewarded by the success on the ice and in the playoffs. Many of the fans were knowledgeable in hockey, having moved here from northern hockey communities. Others were just excited to see this action of a new fast contact sport and often responded to the action on the ice at the wrong time.
3: <laughs> yep, that's we pretty typical of hockey fans who don't think know it's cool, yep. but they don't have no idea what they're watching. We yep.
0: quickly knew we had made the right decision, as yep. our attendance and average ticket price were more than double what we received in Minnesota. The delay in approving the promised arena, the NHL lockout in 1994, and the tripling of player salaries forced us to sell the stars in 1996. With the help of Ross Perot Jr., I was fortunate to sell the stars to Tom Hicks. When the Dallas Stars won the Cup at 99, I got a Stanley Cup ring, which I probably wear every day. That's Norm Green's account of.
3: Ain't it fantastic? What All right. So th- this is this is a story of a team that I think if we were to actually uh, give a subtitle to this episode w- would be very simple. Before the state of hockey, which is a Minnesota Wild creation, okay? Mm-hmm. I think there's a ton of people now in their 20s into their th- 30s who take great pride in the fact that we call ourselves the state of hockey, mm-hmm. which is great. But before that, I want to go back to why the North Stars left, because there is is an assumption, and we will get to it, that Norm Green was just a scumbag. And he was, and we'll get to that. But if you think that that is, if you have asked your parents or something at this point, you know, Mom, Dad, why did the North Stars leave in 93, and you've just been told that Norm Green was a scumbag, you don't have the entire story. The entire story actually starts in the late 1970s, when the conglomerate that owned the North Stars, who were a sagging team at that point, wanted to dump the franchise. And there was a fear in the league that they were going to either sell and have the franchise moved and or just fold it. Hmm. That's when, for the 78-79 season, the uh, Cleveland Barons, who were owned by George and Gordon Gunn, came along, and the league said, we'll merge them. And the the story that Lou has always told is that there was an executive, I think his name was Sam Pollock, from... Montreal and somebody said to Sam, "How can you let two teams merge? It's going to be a super team." And Pollock's response was, "Because if you take one bag of bleep and stick it with another bag of bleep, it's still a bag of bleep." <laughs> so they merged. Lou was uh became GM at that point or around that time and got the team to the uh cup finals on that surprising run where they lost to the Islanders and I believe it was 5 games in 81. So but that was indication 1. That at that point in time, when it came to professional hockey, uh, playing in Bloomington, this was far from what would be known as the state of hockey, okay? All right. Strike two. Norm Green and the owners before him tried time and time again to get improvements to the Met. And what was the Met like? The Met was a great hockey building, but, but it was built in 1966-67, and the North Star's first year was 67-68. It was built without suites. So it's just a dated before. It, it's a great place to watch a game, but by the 80s and certainly into the 90s, it lacked the revenue-generating possibilities that lots of teams had. Yeah, uh, But... N- before him, the guns, in fact, I think the guns inquired about the Met Stadium land, which obviously became the the mall. Uh, the guns inquired about trying to get that land for themselves, and they didn't. And and it was sold to a group called the Gramazian Brothers out of Edmonton who built the mall. And so this timeline went, the guns were told no. Um, and then Norm came along eventually, and Norm's plan was to build, I kid you not, a skyway between the Met and the Mall, which would have included a casino, off of which Norm would have garnered most of the profits, a casino in a skyway. I'm all for that by the way. The casino the okay. casino idea would have cost or the skyway idea would have cost potentially as much as a new rink Norm tried to get.
0: So this would have been this would have been uh at the time did Mystic no, I'm sorry. Did uh, did Canterbury exist? Canterbury existed in the early nineties, right? Canterbury
3: existed, but I think it was closed at that point in time.
2: Okay.
0: And running aces had not existed. So exactly. basically all of the casinos, and even to this day, are Native American owned casinos. So that would have been a non Native American property. Absolutely which would have been a big hurdle. Absolutely. From a legislative so Nor
3: standpoint. so Norm there is told no. Yeah. Okay. Then so the, the guy that bought the team. The Guns looked and tried to move the North Stars in 88-89 to San Jose. And they were told by the league, in fact, it was the guy that owned the Blackhawks, Bill Wirtz and Louie, basically worked out a deal where the San Jose community was going to get an expansion team. And they gave it to the Guns. The Guns then were able to siphon off the North Stars roster. I kid you not in a dispersal draft. Wow. The North Stars stayed here and were sold for $32 million at that time to a guy by the name of Howard Baldwin, who had owned a couple teams before. Howard was the first one, I believe, to go and check on the availability of moving the team to target center. And the problem there, and this is a huge strike, and this is probably ultimately why the team left. Because I think if you could have... uh Move the team downtown. The league for sure. Okay, is that Met Center is gone? Unfortunate, but the team stays. Mm-hmm. Um, The problem was this: the the Wolves had, I believe it was their sponsors included. If I'm not mistaken, Burger King and Coca Cola. The North Stars were Pepsi and McDonald's. <laughs> I'm, I kid you not. So the North Stars. So the North what, Stars. We didn't. Have, we
0: didn't have digital boards. You can just like flip the arena. No,
3: they they could have. The problem was the Wolves had to sign off on competing sponsors being advertised during North Star Games at Target Center, which would have competed with the Wolves sponsors. Yeah, And basically what the Wolves people concluded was, our building is exclusive to our sponsors.
0: So you're telling, so did Glenn Taylor own the Wolves at the time? No. I was going to say, so Glenn Taylor's responsible no. for this too? He's not.
3: Harvey, there. Harvey Ratner and Marv Wolfenson, who originally brought uh, the NBA back here on the team at the time. And I believe it, one of them said, yeah, okay. And one said, no way. Okay. So now Target Center is out. That's the key thing. So, so they need a new arena the, yes. or some other creative or huge improvements to theirs. And I'm talking huge improvements. And, and so the guns are now gone. The team has almost moved circa 1978. Um, they can't move downtown because they can't basically just punt on their sponsors. Yeah. Cause that's huge bucks right there. And that's where Norm comes in. In a desperate situation, what happens? You get desperate and sell to anybody. Norm Green was a shyster, but they were desperate. Point four. Yes, Norm Green was a scumbag. Um, There there were, in the early 90s, so he bought the team It came in, they went to the Stanley Cup Finals in 91, uh, and that's when the crowd... Was chanting Norm, Norm, Norm. And Don't forget, people loved him. Okay, people loved him. Norm, 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 uh, ninety-two or ninety-three. It was probably ninety-two. Allegations of uh, sexual harassment surfaced against Norm, including a Star Tribune piece that reported Norm's wife Kelly had nearly left him and demanded that he move the team <laughs> to avoid the embarrassment. <laughs> but that's part four. God. So, so let's not Amazing. so so let's not forget though that the team was set up to fail. By a series of of movements or non movements that could have been done, right. that weren't done.
0: By the way, I don't think there's been a moment ever since 1993 where a stadium starts to become you know a, a question mark, and we didn't at some point step up. Like it took a while for Target Field. It took yes, about, about ten years really for well, Target twi- Field, and
3: the Twins threatened up and down.
0: Correct, and I mean the the Twins, and I don't know what all went into the Pollet decisions in the late 90s, but like the Twins probably saw. Oh wait a second! The, this fan base is shell shocked from having lost one team. We can probably get what we want here if we just push the envelope. But the Vikings get a new stadium, the Gophers get a new stadium. I mean, the Wild had to build a new arena if they wanted to bring right. the team in. But yes, key, so key, key question number one here, and Mike Madonna is going to join in about fifteen or twenty minutes from now. What should or could have happened? Is is it as simple as hey, we just we as taxpayers needed to pony up for a new arena? Or for improvements to the Met Center? Or like what what could or should have happened in nineteen ninety-three to keep the North Stars here? Or Norm Green ponies his own
3: money up or yeah. another
0: ownership group.
3: Um one it probably goes back before Norm. There should have been more stability. Like the fact that Norm came in from Calgary as a shyster and and Norm, it's not like Norm was filthy rich. The, the the lack of stability that had built up in attendance problems and and all that went with the North Stars move eventually, um, there should have been a stronger base there. As far as as realistic resolution, circa 1992, Target Center had to be the option. Yeah, like once you build, and, and I know it's not a great place. I don't like it now. It's it's stale to me and antiquated. Um, but at that point in time, when you build mm-hmm. that brand spanking new place, as, as much as I personally love the Met, the reality had to be there had to be an agreement of some sort. And I don't know how you get the sponsorship thing solved. But the problem, too, was Marvin Harv had built that building with their money. And so they were invested in everything in that building. So they got
0: final say so, on exactly. everything.
3: Yeah. So they, they could block it. But I think the reality is that... What should have happened was that building had to be the option. And the other thing, too, the other key, and this is a perfect storm of everything going wrong. And I'll find the dates here, Phil, quickly because it's important. December of 92, uh, the owners meet. Two very important things occur then. One is, you touched on it, the Mighty Ducks are awarded to Anaheim. And instead of the North Stars being able to move, they're blocked, which is great.
0: When I was a kid, by the way, I was like, "Wait, like, how is like Charlie Conway going to be good enough and big enough to play in the NHL?" Like, I thought that it was like the Mighty you Ducks going to play in good, the it NHL. was going to
2: be them. Last is going to be coaching. Them. That's so Goldberg, hockey. the goalie, is a a big frame, Gold. but like really, the cat was the better goalie. Yeah. Everyone knows this. <laughs> Rotation.
3: So, so, and, so
2: they approve the
3: the Disney company to take over the Ducks. Two things happen off of that same meeting. One is Gary Bettman is elected commissioner. All right? So that goes through. That's reported. What didn't get reported is what Norm brought up, which is he is secretly told, and I don't know if you could do this now. Maybe you could. Norm is secretly told, all right, Disney's going to get the ducks in that building. What we will allow you to do secretly is move your franchise to any non-competing city from here on out. And, and as much as I don't like the guy, they rendered Bettman helpless. Down to the fact of, at the very end, when Norm kept going to Dallas to talk to them about uh, relocating the North Stars, down to the fact of, Bettman sat in on a couple of those negotiations and originally sat there and said, don't do this. So, Bettman tried to stop it. Don't, yeah, because he was... He was smart enough to say, How the hell are we going to look if we lose Minnesota for Dallas? Yeah. So Bettman tried to, and he was rendered absolutely, in his defense, powerless. Yeah. How would,
0: question number two here for you guys, how would things have played out for the North Stars if they had stayed in Minnesota? Because you had one of the best young players in the league, Mike Wadano. You had, I mean, you had a core of a few good players. You weren't a great team. Like Norm Green kind of paints it as, oh, we had this great team. It, it was a team that got hot one playoff yeah, run. And not
3: here, you didn't. You're right.
0: And it wasn't an amazing roster. Agreed. If they had stayed in Minnesota, and I'm assuming they would have stayed, like let's say like they renovate the Met Center, so it's not an amazing new arena, but they do enough or whatever. They get inside Target Center, they find a deal with the sponsors. Like, would they have won the Cup in '99? Would their trajectory have been the same as no. as Dallas's would have been?
3: I think no, because uh, so. Norm sold to a guy in Dallas who also owned the Rangers and also owns a European soccer club, Tom Hicks, who, of course, has since, I think, gone bankrupt, unfortunately, for him. But, Didn't Tom uh, Hicks own the Rangers, too? At one he point? did. He did. But Tom Hicks bought the team in December of 95, took over the team, I think, in the '96 season. Uh, that team that won the cup with Dallas in 99, in addition to Madano, had Ed Bell in goal, Brett Hill, Brett Hull, Newendike. They had a bunch of guys who had probably pretty good paychecks. I don't know if the person that uh, bought the Stars, if they had kept it here from Norm, does that same thing. My, Unfortunately, my guess is it's not the same trajectory, and I don't know that they would win that cup. And there were some guys who went to Dallas who I don't know would have come to Minnesota. That sounds fair. Mm-hmm. I don't know that like
0: free agents and stuff yeah. that that's sold later on so
3: my so my guess my guess is is their best shot to win the cup would have been the fact that that team was built around Mike Madonna, who was an outstanding Hall of Fame player. uh but to say that it would have been the exact same roster and exact same team, I think is a little mm-hmm. bit of a reach
0: like the other things to consider too I mean, uh, Hitchcock became the Hitchcock is one of the better NHL coaches. in Last twenty five years, I think
3: he might have been the coach here. So he would have come I up think here. He might have. Yes. Okay. Where was? He? Did he coach anywhere before Dallas? Uh, in fact, I think Louis hired him to coach the the North Stars minor league team. So okay. I think he would have come here.
0: So you would have had a top coach. Yeah. I least. just don't know. I don't you know had that
3: the veteran names Brett Hull comes here. Yeah. New comes here. Ed Belfour comes here. I don't know about that part of the equation.
0: Okay, for you guys, key question number three here: How much? And you and, and Declan, when, when, when were you born? Early nineties? Uh, late ninety-two. So I was about five, four months old in Okay, you so it. like you lucky. missed the entire North Stars era. I remember <laughs> yeah. like the last year or two. I was born in nineteen eighty-five. I don't. I don't really remember the Cup run. I just remember like their last year, basically. Yep. Um, so different answers for everyone in the room because Judd grew up on the North Stars. How much of the Wild filled the void? How much of the Wild scratched your itch? I mean, Declan probably grew up a Wild fan. Yeah, I was going to say. But, but Judd grew up a North Stars fan and then had resentment throughout the 90s, and then the Wild came along, so how much did the Wild scratch your itch
2: after losing hockey for like Declan, six years? Declan, you want to go? I mean, I was jacked for hockey just because my, my dad was a humongous North Stars fan. Um, I was about eight years old when the Wild came here, and that was around the time that I started just getting into sports, um... I remember, just in general, when I started getting into sports it was around nine eleven, and and the Wild were here that first season, so I was excited for for a hockey year. And I remember how hard it was to get tickets to go to a game at the X. And in fact, it was my brother playing a game of NHL two thousand one to determine who gets to go to the Wild game with my dad. So that's how it worked. Um, but I I was I was super jacked uh, for hockey to be here because I I remember just my dad being so upset that the North Stars left. To the point where where the Met Center is somewhat on the basis of IKEA, where IKEA is right now in Bloomington, he would not step foot into IKEA out of spite. Yeah, so yeah, I, yeah. I, I wanted I wanted the Wild here. I'm excited that. I mean, in the fairness,
0: it does take a lot to like you know pony up for an well, yeah. IKEA run, anyways. Yeah, yeah,
3: I've got the same problem. Yeah.
0: So all right, I've I'm i I'm a firm believer that your sports fandom roots are are grown between the ages of like seven and ten. Yeah. That and there's a lot of these fraudulent soccer fans out there, all right? Like our buddy Chris Long, I know I love him, but like Chris Long is a diehard Tottenham fan. It's totally fraudulent, okay? Like you can't just pick a team when you're twenty and fall in love with them. It's not how it works. Like you can trick yourself, but as far as having those roots deep down inside you and that passion that burns for a team, I think that starts organically between the ages of like seven and ten, seven and twelve, when you first start watching sports, right? I was 16 years old when the Wild played their first game, or 15 years old. It was kind of out of the zone, no pun intended, for me. I was like, just a, I had already become a diehard Vikings, Twins, Wolves guy, grown grown up on those three teams in the 90s. Yep. And then the Wild came along, and it was like, all right, I, I don't know, like I'm in high school now. Like I, I like the Wild, and
3: it just, you're too cool it, for the it, Wild. Just admit it.
0: They've never been. I've never had the. They've never gripped me as much as the teams that I really, really grew up on in this town. Because right. they, for me, they came along a little bit too late. Mm-hmm. And so I've always been a little bit arm's length. Like, if they get if they get smoked in a playoff series, it doesn't ruin my day or anything. Like, I root for them, and I want them to succeed. But I don't have those roots inside me like I would if it was the North Stars. That's Let's fair. be honest. That's incredibly
3: fair. Yeah. Um, <laughs> how can I put this? The North Stars, now, I was 23 when they left. So it didn't crush me like it would have if I was 15, okay? Um, but I guess that's as close as I come to how Brooklyn Dodger fans felt when the Dodgers relocated to the West Coast, as far as that was my team. And I fell in love with that franchise when they made their Stanley Cup run in the spring of 81. I was 11, so I was right in the perfect zone. Um, Interesting story here. So I was watching... uh, There's a guy from... The Winnipeg, I think, free press, his name's Scott Taylor. He's a columnist. He comes down here quite a bit. And I was watching a game, I want to say, at the X in the early 2000s. It, it might have been the first year. And I had known Scott for a while, and I said to him, I said, what's wrong with this product? So this was not an affront to the wild. I was just said, what's wrong with this product? And he looked at me and goes, you were used to the 21-team National Hockey League. Now, they allowed too many people in as far as playoffs went, but there were fewer teams.
0: Yeah, it was like I think of the tw- sixteen teams. Sixteen got to in twenty-one. One
3: that's too many. But the point is, but by the point by the time that the Wild got here, and we had gone through expansion after expansion after expansion, it's not as bad now because the one good thing about the two thousand five lockout was it changed rules and and the game is more fun to watch now. But the Wild's first four years or so is some bad hockey, and it was too many teams, too many players. So it wasn't that I didn't like the Wild, but when the league came back, it was not the same league, yeah, and it was not as enjoyable to watch. And but I'm, I'm with with how Dex's dad was. I have to this day n- never been in the IKEA parking lot. I can't go in. I just can't do it. You've never been to that IKEA, and I never will. And I mean, it's got missing, nothing to do with them. You're some great spatula deal If they want to sponsor us, I've they, I've sponsor us I, you know what? God bless you. It's not your fault, but your your building is on the exact wrong site for my life. I've, I like, been,
2: I've been there once, and I like their hot dogs. It's the only thing I like at Ikea. They do have good hot dogs. Yeah. But and, I can't do it. And they have reasonably priced towels as well. I
3: grew up sets. in that building. Like, that building was my entire youth. Yeah, I could not go. The, the day they, they blew that sucker up, which I think, God bless it, took three tries— the dynamite didn't work at first. Um I couldn't go. John Casey was I went the day the day before the day before they um imploded the Met. I actually drove out to the Marriott the day before, parked my car and looked and said this is going to be it. Yeah. And I could not watch I could not watch it go. And to this there, day
0: I'm glad I didn't. And there really is no equivalent for like the next two generations. It's just you know, nothing like that has happened. Hopefully, it doesn't happen. I think the Vikings are fine for another thirty years. Yep. I I don't know if it was a legitimate threat that the Wilfs would have moved the team had we not passed a new you know five hundred million dollars in publicly financed money. You know, money, what's but, a
3: miracle. And perhaps it, it uh, took place behind the scenes, and we just don't know. Although I'm guessing it would have uh, leaked out at some point. It's a miracle that Red didn't aggressively try and move this team. Yeah, Red Red was was way richer than Norm Green, but much like Norm, he had no ties here. When it came to the franchise and how he tried to run the franchise, Phil, he was pretty much a cheapskate. I mean, think about it. Yeah. Until the Wilfs bought this team, the Vikings were cheap. Um, I have always been amazed that when it became clear that the state was not going to build um, a stadium for Red, that he didn't work way harder to move this team to California.
0: The team that is, if there is a likely team to move at some point, it probably is the Timberwolves, I would think, just because the Twins and the Vikings have stadiums that are going to be great for at least 25 years. and
3: And this is the defense of Glenn Taylor. The defense is, say what you want about Glenn. But when the NBA, the day they blocked the Wolves, because they were gone, and they blocked them from going to New Orleans to be sold to, I think it was boxing promoter Bob Arum, Mm -hmm. and then Glenn Taylor approached or stepped up and bought this team for all the things that Glenn has done wrong. And we can talk about how, when it comes to his businesses, he's successful, but sports he's not. Glenn Taylor, as incompetent as he can be sports-wise at times, saved this team, and the one thing that you know is, as long as he owns this team... They're not leaving, yeah. So, for better or we worse, You can complain. <laughs> yeah. they're gonna, well,
0: they're going to be terrible yeah. and mismanaged. No, you know but. what? You know what?
3: A team leaving in some sports ways guts you, though. Yeah. It just guts you.
0: I, I would hate. I know I am kind of in the minority because the Timberwolves have just alienated
3: so many people. But I would hate to see. You would crush me if the Wolves left. Well, I love the Timberwolves. And You know what? I didn't. I didn't th- think about until the day the North Stars were gone. When you lose a league. You lose everything that goes with that league, including its star players. Mm-hmm. There's no LeBron. There's no Gretzky. There's no trips in by those guys. Mm-hmm. Everybody's gone. So it's not just... So, you know, if Wolves fans say, well, <laughs> the team stinks, who cares? Okay, but you'll never see the Lakers again. Mm-hmm. You will never see the Celtics again. If you like them, you will never That's see... Crazy. So, so, And I didn't think about that until the North Stars were gone. Everything that went with them yeah, you, yeah, never
0: you, comes back. You missed the last five years of Gretzky's career. Exactly. Like, you missed... You miss Mario Lemieux's comeback, like all those things. The 90s gone. became a blur. Yeah.
3: Like you, can't, you can say, I'm going to watch games, not the same.
0: Yeah. So, all right, let's step away for a minute here. And then when we come back, Minnesota North Stars and Dallas Stars, but Minnesota North Stars legend and Minnesota hockey legend, Mike Medano will join the show here. Minnesota Sports Rewind. You can find almost 20 episodes. I believe it's 18 episodes now. Deep dives into the 2009 Vikings, the 98 Vikings offense, uh, all kinds of different things on the Minnesota Twins, the Moneyball game in 02, Minnesota Sports Rewind, wherever you find podcasts Apple, Spotify, or the Score North app.
2: Mike Madonna joins. Score North, download Declan Goff with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolget on this Minnesota Sports Rewind, and we know you are spending more time at home during the coronavirus pandemic, and we're here for you at Score North in multiple ways, the free Score North app on your phone or tablet, scorenorth.com, or by saying Alexa, open Score North. Also at scorenorth.com and the free Score North app, Matthew Collar wrote down how each Vikings draft pick fits into the current depth chart on Minnesota, also some Great uh, breakdowns from the draft, the announcing of free agent signings, uh, the most intriguing draft prospects. There's plenty of liking stuff to be uh, covered at ScoreNorth.com and the free ScoreNorth app. We are breaking down why the Minnesota North Stars left town. And before we get into our interview with Mike Madonna, we'll throw it back to Phil Mackey and Judd Zolget.
0: Thank you, Declan. This is Minnesota Sports Rewind. You can find all previous episodes and binge them on Apple, Spotify, or the ScoreNorth app and ScoreNorth.com. And we had a chance recently to catch up with Mike McDonough and get his thoughts from his perspective as a top young player, how it went down from his perspective, North Stars moving to Dallas, what would have been different had they stayed, and um, whether he has any regrets, not that he had any control over it, but you know, kind of what he wishes would have happened. So this is our conversation with the legendary Mike Madonna over 400 career goals in the NHL, over 1000 career points, Stanley Cup winner, hockey hall of famer, and current executive advisor for the Minnesota Wild, our next guest, Mike Madano. Thank you for joining the show today, Mike. I'm
1: um, pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah. So, um before we dive into things from long ago and 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 get get into the rewind subjects, what's it like being in the front office of one of the major professional sports organizations that's sitting here in the middle of a quarantine period, are you are you getting antsy? Uh,
1: um, yeah, to say the least. I think it was uh, especially the timing of it all right there at the end of the season where you're just in the, the home stretch. Every game was very meaningful and um, intense, and the guys were really into it and playing well at that time, and you know, the... Uh, this, the schedule and the standings were getting tight and guys were running out of games so everything was so uh every game was impactful so i mean it's just um it's it's a real bummer it was a, it's the best part of the time of the year to be playing and and to be sitting here kind of in uh, no man's land not knowing what we're going to do or what the future holds it's um it's upsetting
3: Mike, what, what does your gut say, too, as far as the potential? We've heard all types of scenarios, maybe going to Grand Forks, uh, but as far as uh, resuming hockey for the 2019-20 season, do you think it's realistic to go as late as July, or does there come a point in time, as a former player, you can speak to this, where the layoff has been such that it would be very tough to come back and then almost just continue going into the 2020-21 season?
1: Yeah, I, I, I'm, I mean, I'm hearing rumblings. They, 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 they'll play in July and August if it, if it works out. Um I just think logistics wise, I mean, they think they might run into some snags as far as what buildings are available and, and what the dates are, because everybody kind of punches in their dates at the start of the year for obviously in April and May, considering if you do make the playoffs, so those, those home dates are available and everything. So now, now knowing that you gotta go into, July and August and you're kind of uh running into some other events and schedules uh that were going in through the Excel Center. It's um uh, it's trying to find dates. So I I mean I can I can see where they're going where these neutral site uh cities might be uh plausible, but again, I think it's gonna be done with no fans. Um you know, it's just too early, it's too quick of a transition into a, a full blown normal life uh, going into sports, which is desperately needed in the world today, in the U.S., especially with uh, what's going on. So I I know they'll be obviously uh, more safe than sorry, but, yeah, it'd be be nice to squeeze by in August and then kind of worry about next year as far as crunching in a schedule, as far as maybe canceling the All-Star game and getting rid of the bye week so you can kind of make up some time there so the following season possibly we could be back on schedule.
0: Yeah. Mike Madonna, how did you personally find out about a potential move to Dallas in
1: nineteen ninety three Well, I think it was the following year um, that uh norm came in and uh, um, changed a little bit of the uniforms i think we i think it was that third or fourth year um change the logo um so i think that was really kind of possibly the start that with that type of logo and that type of uh name you can obviously go anywhere um getting rid of the end was kind of a big move i thought as far as the jerseys were concerned but so now The uh the next couple of years there was rumblings and, you know, he was putting a lot of his personal money into the Met, trying to upgrade it, update it and put some bars and restaurants and suites and changed out the seats and everything. So there was a lot of money that he had put in personally, but uh that was hard to make up in that in that day and age without, you know, raising ticket prices. I think he raised them to like twenty five or twenty eight (laughs) bucks the lower bowl tickets were. So I think people were a little outraged at that, at the raising prices and um, you know, so it was just kind of a slow, a slow, um slow death there with, uh, with being there. So, you know, certain teams, certain cities came popping up, uh, Anaheim was one of them and Hamilton and Seattle. Um I want to say Dallas was just kind of a last second pitch that they made to us, uh, or to the North Stars because they had a, they had a building, they had a reunion, it was, it, it was, capable of making ice, so it was really um, uh, it wasn't until the last second that Dallas came in and, and made a good bid and, and Norm jumped at it.
3: So Mike, how, how much had you guys seriously considered or talked about the prospect of that potential move before it became official uh, sometime in March of 1993?
1: I think we always discussed it. I think the guys would always bring it up and, and we'd discuss it of what they're hearing, what's the latest, and wh- whoever had a little bit of a Inside look at what, uh, Norm was thinking or, or Bob Ganey or what was going on. So everybody thought they had a little bit of an inside scoop and, um, you know, but I think in the back of our minds, we always thought, you know, there's really no way a team, the team can move from Minnesota. You know, it's just, it's just, uh, where hockey is. It's, it's too good of a town. Um, too good of a uh, hockey city. Um, the whole state for that matter. So we really thought, nah, you know, there's no chance at the end there's something's going to get worked out and we'll be end up staying and uh we were really uh we were shocked when, when that spring uh we got some letters in the mail about uh expecting you to camp in Dallas. So
3: take me through also that, uh from the day that that became official in March of that year uh, because you know with all the uncertainty, you guys started to struggle. But just what was it like playing out the string? And I went back a couple of weeks ago and watched your last home game against the Blackhawks, and it is a really weird thing to watch. As a player, how unusual was that whole dynamic of guys knowing that they were playing out the string for a team that was going to move?
1: Yeah, it was tough uh, because, yeah, I think mentally and everything was just kind of uh, – You felt a little bit responsible that you didn't make uh, uh maybe it make, didn't make the game enjoyable or didn't uh, bring out the fans enough uh with what we were doing, what we were trying to accomplish as a team. Maybe the product wasn't as exciting as uh, we hoped for. Um you know, so you always felt a little bit of uh responsible responsibility and in, in that happening. So um yeah, it's still it was tough that last couple of weeks, and certainly that last game, just knowing that that was it we're like you we know, we just were really uh we were really shocked that it really kind of uh it, reality was setting in how
0: How do you think your life and or i mean your career wound up being one of the best of all time, and obviously you're beloved in dallas and it it worked out fine um, and now you're back here helping the Wild. But do you ever think about how your life and career would have been different had the North Star stayed in Minnesota for the the 20 years of your career?
1: Yeah, I, I think about that a lot. I think about what, what could have been uh, the situation if we if I did stay there for 20 years with the with the North Stars and we stayed in that town. What uh, what uh, the possibilities could have been, or what we could have uh, accomplished um, as a team, because, uh, you know, granted, we probably would have had the same personnel, same players that came in, uh, to Minnesota that we did in Dallas. So it would have been, uh, some exciting hockey and some exciting, exciting times to play that type of, uh, that type of of level of hockey in, uh, in Minnesota, um, at that time. So yeah, it really, uh, uh, there's a lot of what ifs. Uh, could have been twenty years with the North Stars. What uh, what we could have been able to do? It would have been uh, it would have been great to see. Would have been great to been able to uh, have a reality of that uh, that set in. So I I, I missed that. I wish it would have happened.
3: What do do you recall about that last home game against the Blackhawks? Too just as far as the uh, mood and. And I believe it was at the start of that game that you guys essentially got a standing ovation. So they still loved the team and players. They didn't like Norm, of course, Mike, but they loved the team and players. What do you? What did you uh, take away from or recall from that night in particular?
1: Yeah, and I think the ovation was tough. Once we once we saw that, we're like, wow, this is this is really, you know, emotional just as much for the fans and for the city as it was for the players to kind of say goodbye and, you know. Not knowing if it was ever going to be the last time that they'd see NHL hockey in that city or that state. So it was really kind of, uh, a thought of this is, this is the end of the end. So you're never going to have hockey here again, um, professionally. So I I think fans were really kind of, uh, um, kind of letting their feelings and their emotions out and the ovation was great. Just, you know, it was really kind of a tough way to start that night when they did that.
3: Was there one person in particular, a player or coach, who you thought took it the hardest that the team was going to uproot from Minnesota?
1: Uh, well, I'd probably say Neil Broughton. I think Neil was really kind of torn up. I think he just, you know, being a Minnesota guy and playing for the U and then the North Stars, I think he just, uh, um, him for sure, I just, you know, he felt bad because he, he really took it personally. He really took it hard and, and just having to move. Especially towards the end of his career, um, you know, he played a couple more years, uh, won a cup, thankfully, in in, in Jersey. But uh, yeah, I mean, he too, he would have loved to, he would have loved to been able to start and finish his career in Minnesota, um, like a few of us could have been. So yeah, he was he was torn up about it.
0: So a couple more things for you here, and we appreciate you just reflecting back here, Mike Medano. Um with your work now with the Wild how much i don't know if obligation is the, is the right word but like how, how much do you think man the state of hockey and with what happened to the north stars moving and and there there's never been a stanley cup championship here how much does how much weight does that carry you helping out with the delivery of a stanley cup championship here in minnesota oh
1: well, that would be certainly uh a full circle i think it would be um the topping of it all to be able to help, uh, in any way or help Billy Guerin, help the organization, help, uh, Craig Leopold win a Stanley Cup to, uh, um, to let those guys feel what it, what it feels like winning one of those. So, um, I know Craig's just dying to have a chance. Uh, you know, he's not going to stop until he wins one. So he's, uh, he's really into it, but to, to be able to be a part of, uh, uh, putting the pieces together to ultimately win a cup there would be, uh, boy, it would be, uh, it'd be, um, a great way to return all those, uh, great early years that I had and, and give them something to cheer about. And I think that town and that state would, uh, would absolutely go crazy for it. So we're, we're, we're hoping we can accomplish that. And it'd be a nice, uh, it would
3: be nice delivery if we could do that for them. Mike, I say this knowing that players hate to lose, uh, but, but when you came back here for the first time with the Dallas Stars to play the Wild and I think lost uh, six rip at the X, what's going through your mind uh, just overall in the fact that this was your first game back here? Um, I think fans still liked you a lot, but what was that dynamic like to see a hockey team back here? It beats your club badly, which at that time people were still mad at how weird was that whole environment? That uh, I believe it was a Sunday afternoon.
1: Um, it was tough because uh, when that schedule came out that summer, and we saw like uh, that was the date we're going back to Minnesota. I think we all thought that ones that were still left there, like uh, we had it circled, thinking, "Oh, this is going to be this was going to be a tough game to play in." We knew it was going to be just. Uh, uh, a tough crowd. I think they were going to be just honest. They were going to let their feelings know, and it's been a slow build up for a long time since we left to now, to that date. So we knew going into it, it was going to be just a, one of those games you're like, okay, it'd probably be best if they just we just let them win it and have their moment and, and, and move on. So, but it was, um, I actually did watch the game the other night. They replayed it on Fox Sports North, and, um,
3: yep, you know, we,
1: uh, we peppered them left and right. We had more power plays than I think we had in a long time. And, uh, Manny Fernandez played great. You know, they were pretty opportunistic in their goals on Belfort. So it was just, uh, it was probably fitting that that game was, uh, finished the way it did for them and the fans.
3: How emotional was it uh, for you, too, in the game that you played here when afterwards you went back into, I think, the room and came out with a North Star jersey on, which I think for a lot of people in the stands was incredibly emotional because to see that jersey just, for a lot of us, uh, conjures up great thoughts and uh, memories. What did that mean for you to be able to do that?
1: Um, it was great. It was, you know, Billy Robertson came up with the idea and he kind of flagged me down after the game. And, uh, but he brought it up before the game. He's thinking, Hey, I'm thinking this, and I go, just, you know, grab me after the game. We'll, we'll, we'll do something. And, and, uh, he's like, you know, then he kind of surprised me with the jersey. He's Like, Hey, you know, you know, throw a jersey on. It was my last game, obviously, uh, for, uh, with Dallas and Minnesota, the last game of the year. And, and I thought it was my last game of my career. So, um, yeah, it was, it was really neat. And, uh, you know, a lot of people stuck around to, uh, hear who the stars of the game were and, yep. and to, to kind of take a, take a lap with the jersey on, uh, was great because there's still a lot of people there that I recognize and still remember from the Met Center days that are just big, big hockey fans that were season ticket holders now for the wild. So it was, it was a pretty special deal.
3: Hail. How close did you also come after that, instead of going uh, to play your last year in Detroit, to coming back here to play for, uh, for the um, Wild for one year?
1: It was close. I mean, it, it crossed my mind. I, I, I really thought about it. I, I figured if I was going to do one more year, it was going to be either Minnesota or Detroit. Um, being from Detroit and just growing up being around the Red Wings and uh, the Illiches and everything else um, would have been special, but certainly would have been – really uh interesting to, to do a, a one year deal back in Minnesota so i think back it would have been neat i would have really loved uh doing one more year in Minnesota it would have been a lot of fun
3: last thing sir when when's the last time that you saw norm green and do you ever feel you got the real good answer about why he did move
1: uh, i you know there's always speculations i don't think there's really been one concrete answer to to it that this was why we left i think there's always been um a little bit of an unanswered uh situation that you know how could you not make uh work out something with someone Go down to the target center or just kind of make it work at the net for a little while and so maybe you built a new arena um you know so it's been a while since i've seen norm it's been a long long time um you know he was in he's still in dallas so um, I haven't seen or heard from him probably since uh, my jersey retirement back in Dallas uh, uh, a couple of years ago. So it's, it's been a while.
0: Well, Mike, we appreciate it. We appreciate your career and, uh, and everything you've done for, for Minnesota hockey. And we wish you the best during this however long it lasts quarantine period too, man. Thanks thank, for coming on. Thank
3: you, Mike. Really appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Take Be care. Safe. Take Bye-bye. care.
0: All right, that was Mike Medano just reminiscing here on this episode about this episode of Minnesota Sports Rewind about the Dallas Stars uh, taking our North Stars from us in 1993. And so a couple minutes left in the episode here, boys. A couple more key questions if we can squeeze them in. Let's start with this one. Why Dallas? Why was – why? I mean, we we now know this is the state of hockey. We know all the reasons now. We went over them earlier in the episode right. of why something had to happen, either a new arena or – Uh, or moving the team, but like why why was Dallas the spot that they wound up in? It seems like, at the time, such an unorthodox place.
3: Because when Norm owned the Calgary Flames, or he actually had a minority investment in Calgary, he looked for a team to buy uh, pre-North Stars, and the owner of the Hartford Whalers knew Roger Staubach. And so he set Norm up to meet with the Dallas people before he ever owned the North Stars. And, as we talked about earlier on this episode, Phil, Norm was going to go to California, was blocked there, and so basically said, what's my next option? By that point in time, when it came to the North Stars franchise, he was going to leave. Yeah. The question was where, and I think Dallas was the default number two that became the obvious one for him to pursue.
0: Okay. All right. Okay. Key question number five, I believe, Roger. Rogers, Roger Staubach.
3: It, Vikings, that SOB.
0: He also yeah. he also brought up like Jerry Jones as a close friend of his yeah. and stuff, but- yeah. Um, if and I don't know if it would play out this way, if the North Stars had stayed in Minnesota, and then like there was more expansion opportunities, obviously the Minnesota got them with the Wild. Would there have been, or could there be in the future, a chance for two NHL teams in the state of hockey? With just how much the X has been packed for twenty years, um, are, I don't know if we do we have any two NHL cities right now. I don't think we do. Well, I mean, like New York, well and, Anaheim, LA, like, kind of, yeah. Yeah, yeah, New York Island. Okay, you're right.
3: I th- I think, personally, uh, no, because if you were going to build, if um, the North Stars had gone uh, downtown for a few years, and then there were rumblings about the Civic Center being torn down at that point, mm-hmm. and the X being built, the North Stars go-, go there. So, yeah, this community could not have supported two teams, would not. Um, I do think the question, though, becomes if you had played at Target Center for a few years, because, folks, that's a terrible hockey building. It's not a good basketball one, to be quite frank about it. But as far as hockey went, it was awful. So, the question becomes, with the North Stars, how quickly would the North Stars have looked for a building like the X? And, you know, in our current climate, I think we might have built them... Their own eventually. Yeah. I don't know if you, they get it by the year 2000 like the Wild did for expansion, but uh, I think there's a fighting chance that eventually the North Stars would have ended up where the, uh, the Wild is right now with a new building on the site of uh, the old St. Paul Civic Center.
0: It's also worth noting, too, according to Forbes, this the, the last team valuation article they put out was in December. The Wild ranked 19th in the NHL in just team valuation out of, what, 31 teams? And in terms of revenue coming in, the wild are looks like about halfway down, like 15th or 16th in the NHL. So there's a lot of other cities with like bigger cushion. Oh, yeah. Like the Rangers, Absolutely. Canadians are high on the list, Toronto, Boston, yep. etc. Cetera, et cetera. Yep. So this has That's been fun. Minnesota Sports Rewind. There might be a part two to this, too. There's more meat on this bone we can dive into. Uh, but go check us out. Minnesota Sports Rewind on Apple or Spotify, and please give us a five-star. Rating and a review if you could. This has been it. I'm Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgat, Declan Goff. Score North Live coming up next.
2: Your dog is more than just your bestie with the cutest face ever. Get to know them on a genetic level with Embark Vet. Developed by veterinarians and PhDs, Embark screens for more than 215 genetic health risks across more than 350 breeds. It's top-notch science for your top-notch pup.